Welcome back, listeners, to this week's episode of If I Only Knew. Today I've come to Fred with a radical question, though. I want to talk to him about the future of technology. Now, that might sound like a hell of a big question, but in particular, I've been doing a bit of thinking about what some people are calling the metaverse. Now, this has been a little bit in the news um, because Facebook changed the name of their parent company to Meta kind of recently. And uh, this is something that's kind of, I think, captured the imagination of a lot of um, people who look toward the future in the technology space. And they're kind of keen to, to talk about and think about what the metaverse might look like. So today I wanted to talk with Fred a little bit about what the metaverse actually is, like physically, fundamentally, what is it? And in our next episode, we're going to give some of our thoughts about kind of the, the value judgments and consequences that come about when we're thinking about this new internet that might be like connecting people, but also maybe distancing people and maybe could have some really serious consequences for our humanity, if you like. Now, we're not quite talking Skynet and the Terminator just yet, but uh, we might not be too far off either. So uh, if you're unsure a bit about what we're actually talking about here when we say the metaverse, stick around for this one because we want to kind of we want to kind of set the scene for what does the future of technology look like. Now, Fred, I think I'm going to be a little bit of a guide for you here, right? How are you feeling about this topic? Look, I, I went away and did my homework as you asked me to, Matt, and I must admit I come back more confused than I started out with. This concept of the metaverse speaks to metadata and how it all connects uh, via, you know, the global world wide web. I don't know if we still call it that, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh, I think this is one where you're going to be walking me through step by step, my friend. Mm -hmm. Excellent. I, I think this is really interesting because I know that my dad was, you know, enjoyed adopting the internet. He had his desktop computers quite early on or whatever. Um, but I'm kind of wondering if maybe this kind of metaverse next iteration of the internet might be my kind of thing that I have to learn consciously about the internet rather than just kind of growing up surrounded with these computers. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to kind of share that with a with an older generation as well and see maybe like what this looks like and what you guys think about it. I mean, I, I the parallel I have for the metaverse, and I might be wrong about this, Matt, was what the telegram did for communication cross-continent and what TV did for communication across countries the metaverse is doing now for communities and that digital space that we've taken for granted. Yeah, I definitely think that's the potential promise, isn't it? So what is the metaverse, Matt? Can you break it down for me? For sure, because I think it's like a, a word that seems almost meaningless by itself, right? There's one of those one of those tech bro made up words that doesn't seem like it has all that much content to it. It comes from like a book in the 80s or something. But, but what it means like... In, in a physical manifestation for us is that we're talking about developing an internet that functions kind of like our current one where you know you can google things you can search for things you can move through different places in the internet and see different things and learn new things but you do all of that while you're physically embodied you're physically placed into the internet that you're experienced now you might ask how the hell does that happen we're not gonna we're not gonna suck you into the uh, electrical grid fred or the wi-fi network and and dissolve you into a bunch of particles that floats through this metaverse rather the way that 
the more realistic conversations about this have happened is that we put people into things like virtual reality or augmented reality and we now have the technology that's starting to be reasonably mainstream at least in the developed world to allow people to physically put themselves into this virtual reality space Um, so you put on one of those oculus headsets or, or some of the other competitors headsets and suddenly you're in a new place you're you're seeing something different you're hearing something different and the metaverse is thought of as being the internet but you're put inside of it so say you were hunting down some uh, a new a new property fridge you know you're a first home buyer or something you you want to you want to do some property hunting instead of googling for for the property listings and seeing what options are around maybe getting duped by some photos or something the metaverse promises that you could do all that searching and googling in person but through your virtual reality so you put your headset on you get to walk around a house and see its listing and see whether you want to buy it or not you you then you search for another one just sitting in your living room you see another house you do some more of that so it kind of promises maybe you do your window shopping your internet shopping on ebay and you get to uh put yourself inside the store physically but not physically it's this virtual reality stuff and we're starting to blur the lines here between what's physical and what's not and that's what i think the promise of the metaverse is you can try on the clothes in your mind with the support of the internet Mm. Without ever needing to leave your armchair, is yeah. this what you're telling me? Mate? Yeah, well, that's that's the idea. So instead of like mo- having to move into the shop, you put on your headset and you virtually try it on, and so you kind of get the same experience. You get to see it in the same way you would see it if you're in the actual world, rather than just looking at a two D image on a screen. You get to see it. You can maybe pick it up if we get there. That kind of stuff, um, but you don't have to actually move there physically. So the first thing that like this has to rely on right is good virtual reality it has like i think that when i when i first heard this i was like there's just no way we can do this right this is absolutely insane we don't have that kind of technology but vr is good and it's getting better have you ever used any vr at all fred any virtual reality? i must admit i haven't matt i haven't i've seen the videos with people with goggles on crashing into their own tvs or <laughs> right yeah. tripping over the dog or punching somebody in the nether regions by uh-huh. accident uh-huh. but i've never tried actually I tell a lie. I have done once. It was at the CEO sleep out and it was a virtual reality experience of homelessness. But I must admit, it was about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Pretty janky. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And was this maybe like you went somewhere to do this? Was it? Yeah. And yeah. they had the headsets and that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it was a bit... Um, it was a bit lo-fi, not particularly. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it was metaverse ready at that mm-hmm. point. And so this is kind of the, the the fundamental change of the technology for virtual reality recently. For it is that in the past, what limited virtual reality we had, you had to be kind of have a huge infrastructure for. So maybe you could only do virtual reality if you went to like a a store or you went to a um, organization that ran it for you because just your average Joe couldn't really function with the virtual reality. Now we've got headsets that can be kind of completely self-contained. You don't need another computer backing it up or anything um, that you can buy for, you know, a pretty reasonable price point somewhere from 300 to 500 Aussie dollars, which is kind of around the, the price point of other gaming consoles. So obviously expensive, but if you can do lots of things on it, Starts to be more accessible. Now, this is worth noting that's mainly in, in the developed world. So virtual reality is getting better and being inside it, it's not only accessible, but it's good. It feels impressive to kind of have the world surround you as you put this headset on. Um, so 
it's entirely possible that we do have the technology to make the virtual reality of the metaverse work, which is kind of exciting. I have a couple of questions not really being involved in it myself, mm -hmm. Matt, but from a sensory perspective, I understand, you know, vision and I certainly understand sound. Does it go any further than that? Right, that's where we're at now. We've got some ways to go even with vision and sound because some people still struggle with motion sickness and stuff from it. So we're kind of halfway there with those. We're just starting to get there with touch, which seems very exciting. I'm not, I'm not so confident of that technology yet, Fred, but there's some very clever people doing very good work on it. And if they could get like sensory touch out of VR, I think that'd be very impressive to uh, to give us a few more opportunities to get into the internet. Um, that's uh, one of the uh, kind of sides of the metaverse, this virtual reality. And I think that's kind of the end goal. That's kind of the main version of the metaverse. There's another kind of minimal version of embedding yourself in the internet. This is called augmented reality. Now, virtual reality puts you entirely into a virtual space. Augmented reality, you're still in the world around you, but maybe you're, you've got like a little hologram that pops up on your phone or um, you can wander around and interact with the world in a virtual way as well as a physical way. Something like Pokemon Go, where you would go to a church and you would then interact with some um, Pokemon in that area or you'd go to a park and do the same is probably a good description of augmented reality. Now, Augmented reality is not nearly as immersive, but it is a lot more accessible because you can access it largely through a phone a lot of the time. And so this is kind of the, the, the dual way the metaverse seems like it's going to be functioning is you've got the most embedded, the most immersive virtual reality, and then you've got this kind of secondary accessible across the world augmented reality and that's uh tapping into the fact that so many people have mobile phones now which is kind of the 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 uh, opportunity there i'm interested in the metaverse and augmented reality in regards to how they deliver more information other than just a sensory experience what's the advantage to the user um in using an augmented reality versus just going to a park and Googling, you know, historic facts about Medibank Park or something. Yeah, yeah, no, awesome. Oh, look, I think that this is one of the big debates. Do we actually need the metaverse, right? I think the the best example that I've thought of that says this will be a better user experience, right, this improves the experience we have over the internet, is... Um, the role the metaverse might play in something like conference calling, right? You, yeah. You've been doing a lot of conference calling over the last couple of years and we've seen Absolutely. it being quite important. Um, and look, the current systems for conference calling, pretty sophisticated, pretty decent, but I always get fatigued by them. I always feel like there's something missing there. And the promise of the metaverse, and whether it achieves this or not, I don't know yet, but the promise of it is you can put on your VR headsets and you can all actually inhabit the same room as one another and you can talk into your microphones and other people can hear it and it is just like being there physically. Now, that's a tiny bit of a way off because body language is still a little bit difficult in the metaverse. Um, but I, I can see that as being like a fundamental example of an improved experience that the internet, that our, that our two-dimensional conference calls simply don't offer us. Um, augmented reality could be a bit more difficult. But again, maybe you can see a little bit of the, uh, the people around you through your phone or something. I, I kind of think that augmented reality is just a bit crap a lot of the time um, compared to the 
pretty mind-blowing experiences that I've had in virtual reality so far. I find augmented reality to be pretty underwhelming, but it has the advantage of accessibility. And so I think that there's that kind of payoff trade-off there. One of the things that you talked about in terms of the metaverse that I find really interesting, because uh, in our day jobs, we work with people that have unique abilities and have to navigate the world in different ways. For example, they might have mobility issues or wheelchair issues. It's this idea that the metaverse allows you to experience things like uh, property review without yeah. investing or losing time, if you like, mm. on destination travel for the sake of going to see something that lets you down. Mm. Does the metaverse learn from us, though? So, for example, if I was searching property in a, a VR space, but perhaps I, I was wheelchair reliant, would it tell me whether or not the door frames were wide enough for my wheelchair would it learn that uh, to exclude properties where that wasn't the case? How does that work? How, how interactive is it so far? That's a fantastic question. And I think so far, where I'm definitely imagining the metaverse as merely an extension of the internet right now. I'm sure that there are more radical kind of um, thinkers out there who are saying we can make this super intelligent, super sophisticated, maybe with better um, machine learning algorithms and stuff. But for me right now, it's a question of, Whatever the person on one side of the computer puts in, other people can get out of it. So to learn the dimensions of that door, the, the, the person who put up the property would have had to have put those dimensions into the um, actual design of it. Now, it's worth considering briefly, because that's a good question, the, the complexity of um, creating a three-dimensional space in the way this virtual reality system would work. So the internet's kind of easy for you to just design a website if you know what you're doing, you've got a bit of time on your hands. Might be a bit more challenging to design something like a property listing. Um, and so maybe something like that door space, Fred, is actually built into the fact that they have to design the space in the first place. Maybe they do actually measure the size of the door because that's how they made the house. But that kind of question, I think, is a bit up in the air at the moment, yeah. So from a, a marketing perspective, Matt, mm. I've certainly seen in the augmented space the capacity to hover your phone over a label. Right. And the, the label comes to life and tells you the story of the product. From a metaverse perspective, other than being able to sort of try the clothes on, if you like, and see yourself in a mirror without leaving your uh, your couch, mm. has this concept of consumerism, you know, permeated the metaverse yet? And if so, what does it look like? I think that, that is definitely one of the main drivers for people who are investing in its development, right? I think that corporations and, and the first users of the metaverse are wanting to be there so that people can try on their products so that people can use their products so i definitely think that that's a, a priority to to like facilitate business like this um and i think it's a, it's a little bit um difficult because sometimes it can seem like maybe this this uh project is being driven by these corporations to then just improve their opportunities to sell you opportunities to sell you things and I think it would be it would be a bit naive to say that's not the case, but I also think that there's there's plenty of uh, quite exciting opportunities to be like physically connected to people that you are separated from by distance, and uh, by being able to sit in the same virtual room or whatever with someone, I think that's a kind of non-business uh, opportunity that the metaverse does offer. There's also this fantastic opportunity, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. 
if they use, you know, cameras and helicopter shots and drones and all the rest of it, the metaverse may allow me to see the view from the peak of Everest, mm. uh, which is something that in real life, you know, a handful of people a year get to do or ride the seven deadliest roller coasters on the planet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so it, it certainly, as I understood it, it opens up it opens up an understanding of the world that would otherwise be precluded by cost, time and distance, yeah. which I think is an, in itself is a really important way of understanding data. I'd love to walk through the pyramids of Giza, uh, but I'm not going to get to Egypt. I don't have the time. You know, mm. it, it, do you see it having those advantages at its best? I absolutely do. And look, I think that the question of is this really worth it, is this valuable, is a really interesting and difficult one. Because in some ways, I see the metaverse as merely an extension of the existing internet, right? Because in the internet right now, you could Google images, the view of Everest, and you'd probably see the view from Everest, right? But it doesn't feel the same way. Um, and I think the, the opportunity that the metaverse offers is to actually feel like you're there, right? Yeah. And that's something you can't get with the current internet. But you're kind of halfway there with the current internet, right? So I do wonder if the metaverse will be as revolutionary as the internet was because the internet is already kind of halfway there. Nonetheless, I do think it has that opportunity to put you in, in physical spaces and, and emotional spaces that you wouldn't be otherwise. Um, and I've heard some interesting stuff about the ability of the metaverse to maybe tell like diverse stories to encourage things like empathy among people. Um, I think that's a really interesting concept and I expect there's going to be some pretty incredible design and kind of creative work done in this space to try and encourage like storytelling through this um, embodied situation. I'm a tiny bit skeptical as to how well that that might work because I wonder if people who don't want to be convinced by good storytelling just won't participate and perhaps it's those people that are the ones who need to see it the most but uh, that's maybe a slightly different conversation but yes I do think this ability to put you in another place put you in another experience is kind of its its major promise yeah I guess the question I have being absolutely new to all this is what what's the infrastructure demand? You talked about a headset that probably comes with a few paddles to yeah. to punch the guy in the game and all the rest of it. But does it drain your internet faster? Does it use more data? What what's the practicality of this sort of technology as it sits today, Matt? Yeah, for sure. And I think this is another thing that makes us a tiny bit difficult. Um, the practicality is that it's a little bit impractical, right? It is a bit difficult. Um, I, I'm not sure how much I would say it drains internet more or less or whatever, but um, it's, it's definitely another piece of technology you have to have that requires some very sophisticated hardware on like within it and that kind of thing. And to get, you know, better touch sensors and all that kind of stuff requires more technology, more spending. So, so it is another thing that has to be managed and, um, you know, it's still very much improving. So we've come a long way in the last 10 years. It's been absolutely rapid. But if you think about the way like desktops and computers grew, right? The very first ones were the size of a room. And now you can have one of the most powerful things just sitting on your desk just because yeah. you spent a couple grand or whatever. And I think that what we're expecting of the hardware right now for this kind of virtual reality is we're expecting it to be as good as our computers are as good as our modern iterations of current technology are kind of forgetting that to get where we are we had to go through a lot of quite shabby iterations i think the technology is definitely good at the moment but it definitely needs a lot more improving to be more accessible more uh 
less demanding, more comfortable, that kind of thing. But I kind of do see that happening. I'm reasonably optimistic about that happening, um, given just how quickly we've, we've developed. So what happened about 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, there was just no chance of having um, individual modular virtual reality. You had to go to like flight simulators or whatever yeah. to do it. Then maybe five, seven, ten years ago, you could get wired connected virtual reality headsets that you had to plug into a really strong desktop computer. The desktop computer would do all the thinking and the headset would project you the image. So that worked. But A, you had to have a computer as well as an expensive headset, and B, it was wired up, which was pretty inconvenient to kind of freely wander around your living room or whatever. Um, Most recently, we've now got completely independent modular headsets that you just put on your head, and they do all the thinking themselves. No wires. um, It shows you the image, all that kind of stuff. Um, That's pretty impressive work over a decade to go from can't own it yourself to can own it completely independently in the single model by itself so i think that's pretty exciting uh development of infrastructure yeah so i'll give you a parallel matt when i was 17 i think i spent three thousand dollars on a standalone desktop computer all right yeah my phone my current phone which is an apple product has more processing power than that computer did yeah so we're talking 30 years later the processing power of that computer which was pretty good at the time yeah is now mirrored by what i hold in my hand do we think in 30 years from today we can get to the holodeck scenario of a starship (laughs) right yeah like you know gene roddenberry thought about in terms of star trek the next generation etc immersive sort of virtual reality that you can interact with is this the fate of the metaverse or does it go the way of 4d tv that came out was a flash in the pan and kind of withered on the vine Mm -hmm. yeah and look i totally get people's concerns that this stuff is just a little bit alien and a little bit out there right because it definitely is um i think we can't be too optimistic about that like long-term horizon technological development simply because we've already done so much iteration and streamlining of the quality of this computing products right so it was it wasn't easy but like we had the architecture of the computer chip that we could then simplify and streamline and improve from a huge computer chip to a tiny computer chip right but once you get like to a certain level of tininess, Fred. You can't go any further tiny, right? Mm. And so I think that's kind of the problem that we might risk facing with something like virtual reality here is that yes, we've seen a lot of great improvements, but we've actually started from an already quite sophisticated base. And that means you can only go so much more sophisticated on the improvements of the technology. So I see that as maybe being a bit of a ceiling. There's some more wacky thoughts about something like quantum computing or whatever. If we sort any of that out, it will be an explosion. It will be completely revolutionize our entire world, not just the metaverse. Um, but that's a different conversation. I'm a little bit skeptical about that happening. Just for, for me and for listeners at home, uh-huh. could you give us in 30 seconds or less a definition <laughs> of quantum computing? Sure, sure, sure. So I just said that our computer processes can only go so tiny, right? Quantum computing basically promises that you can go like infinitely tinier with your computer processes. Instead of like one micromillimeter or whatever of a processor, it can be a, a basically the size of atoms or whatever for, for processors. And that would give us just an incredible amount of processing power in the tiniest space, which would allow headsets to be extremely clever, extremely 
extremely powerful. But I say it would revolutionize our world because it would also like make almost any kind of computing requirement extremely easy it poses a real threat because a lot of our encryption at the moment is just based on very very complicated problems that computers can't solve if you have quantum computers you can suddenly solve encryption problems um, and thus our privacy and security on the internet would be a lot more fraught so quantum computing fascinating revolutionary good and bad that's my take Fantastic. Well, Matt, we've learned a lot about the metaverse today. Mm. I certainly understand it a little better than I did from reading about it. And I must admit, one of the things that gets in the way of reading about this concept is the companies and their intention around what it can do, rather than the pure space of For sure. data and etc. So we might pick up on that in our next episode when we start to talk about the human implication of something like the metaverse. Uh, Listeners, I hope you learned a lot today. I certainly did. Matt's very passionate about this, and it's going to be a two-part episode, potentially even a three-part episode at this point. Mm. Um, And the reason for that is very dense concepts that need to be broken down into component parts. I'm looking forward to our next episode. Please stay tuned. Jump in next week. Have a listen to where this stuff goes. If you ever thought that... uh, the matrix might have some relevance or reference in your future you don't want to miss what's coming next thank you for today matt i've really enjoyed it thanks for indulging my interest in these things fred i think it's so interesting absolutely i'm just trying to work out how to charge my phone (laughs) all right listeners thank you for listening to if i only knew and we'll see you next week same back time same back channel and catch you guys thank you for listening This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.